Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host Jason Cook and today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston. Welcome David. Hi, Jason. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How That's are you? Good. Yeah, I'm well, thanks. Well, it's yeah. nice and sunny up here today. Yeah, great. It's uh, not really sunny here, but it's um, it's okay. It's not rainy. I've already been out for a walk this morning, and it's been quite That's nice. Good. Uh, David, you're here today to continue your series, The Word of God, and mm. uh, it's, a, it's a great topic that you've been doing, and we've got uh, this week and next week, and then we'll come to an end for this year for our live programs but um today's uh, title is the living word the word in the church yes but uh, to kick us off i know you always uh, share something so what have you got for us today yeah thanks jason uh, where i'm up to today is my journey with the word continuing with that those, those stories and what i want to share today is weathering the storms i've called it and it's the journey where I'm beyond the point of learning how to listen to God. So that's a learning that I, I, I shared last week. And, and this week, when we, when we continue in that journey with God, the closer we get to God, it seems the madder uh, the enemy gets. And that can be both in people around us who don't maybe have that connection or haven't found that connection yet, and also with Satan himself and his his forces, and they can get quite aggressive in the way that they 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 treat us. And so, along the way, there there's storms in our Christian journey, whatever that journey looks like. And and for me, as I started hitting some of this inverted commas stormy weather in my Christian life, uh, in my ministry. I found there were a couple of things that really helped me the most. And the first was a constant reading and hearing of God's word. King David, as he's talking about the experience that he has with God, he assures us the importance of knowing God's word. And he says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And the more we have God's word in us, and we'll talk more about that next week, the the more we can weather those storms better as we're constantly listening to God's voice, we're reading his word. And, and I have a reading plan where probably about every 18 months I'll have read through the Bible or listened to, well, I actually do both. When I'm driving somewhere, I have it on USB. Um, I've purchased one of those, you know, Bible Bible on CD, and then I put it on USB and I listen to it when I drive. And also I read it through as a daily reading plan. And so it takes about 18 months to get through the whole Bible. I've just finished Revelation and I'm about to start Genesis again. And I find that repetitive reading just helps me to find those promises that I can hang on to in those troubling times. The other thing I found very, very important as I'm, uh, I was actually given this verse from my grandma where... Um, just before she died, but a couple of years before she died. And she gave me Proverbs uh, f uh, 3, 5 and 6, 
trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Mm. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And this verse has stuck with me throughout my Christian walk. Mm. More so as I've been weathering these storms, as inverted commas, as I said. So what I've discovered is I was a very anxious person still am at times and so i have to make sure i'm in control of everything that's happening that's the way i used to be and that can create issues on its own Mm. and what i've learned is if why am i doing that you know i've had to ask that question why am i why am i doing this why am i so persistent in making sure i have control of everything when i have control of nothing Mm. (laughs) in the christian walk god is in control of everything And I've had to really take this verse on board to say that, well, God's in charge. So if it's happening to me and I'm leading a life that is that is following him, I have to be I have to understand that it's passed by him first Mm. and he's okay with what's happening. So I've got to be okay with what's happening. It's not easy sometimes. (laughs) Or grow. Yeah, you're right. But it's been one of the best things to help. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard, isn't it? When. uh, it, it sometimes it's hard to know whether it's whether it's your own doing or whether it's uh, you know just something you have to go through. But yeah, but yeah interesting. Either way, God can help it work yeah. out for the best. Yeah, for sure. Um, just before we go on, did did you want to do a quick review of where we've come from in this series? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good idea. So we're we're speaking about the word of God. We've spoken about the the spoken word that was from Adam to the flood, the flood to the exile, the word restored after their exile as God takes them to Mount Sinai. Then we had the written word. So God made sure from then on it was preserved in writing, whereas it appears that it was handed down from one custodian to the other verbally before that. So we have this preserved word from Moses through to Malachi, the, the Old Testament as we have it written today. Then we had the evidence of the life of Jesus in the written word. That's the New Testament Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Then we have the story of the early church recorded in Acts. Mm. And then the rest of the Bible, we we covered who wrote the rest of those books that are in the New Testament. And last week we talked about the Word of God. So we started looking at the living Word, Mm. this Word of God who was, as we knew, Jesus of Nazareth when he came. Today we're digging a bit deeper. That's awesome. And uh, I've been listening in, and Carmelina has been hosting most of these programs with you. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, Carmelina is a bit sick today and not quite up to hosting it. And so, Carmelina, if you're listening, I hope you get well very soon. And um, But it's good to be back uh, talking with you today anyway, uh, David. Yeah. So, But if you want to go back and have a listen to those past episodes, you can do that on the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. Or you can download the Faith FM Australia app from the App Store and you can listen to all of our past programs on there. Just uh, go to either the Listen menu or the Browse menu on the app and find Tassie Encounters and every one of our episodes is there. So, uh, David, today uh, we're getting into this topic, um, the word in the church. Uh, Do you want to give us a, a brief intro to that? 
Yeah, sure. That's great. Thanks, Jason. So, yes, we're, going to, we're continuing with a living word. What was the living word? Going beyond just the written and the record of what happened in history, we're looking at how this living word, or Jesus of Nazareth, if you like, the word of God, as, as John portrays it in John chapter 1, and First John, actually, we'll read that a bit later on, what difference he made through the lives of the early believers of the first century church and how he did that, because... A few, you know, a number of days after he was resurrected, he went back to heaven. So, how did that happen? Mm. How did Jesus have then an effect on the early church and what happened when he did? So, that's what we're going to talk about today. And perhaps before we, we get into all of that and hear our first song, I'd like to talk about the listener question that we'd have today. You'll have a bit more info on that a bit later on. So, I hope you're all listening in really, really well. The question I have is, have you ever witnessed someone who was clearly filled with the Holy Spirit and connected with God? And if you have, what was it that stood out for you in their character? Mm. For me, there was a a lady in a church, one of the churches we've been at. I'm not going to say her name. She might be embarrassed if I say it. But she was a lady that exemplified a Christian. I, I, we, we, she was a single lady. She was a lovely older lady. And she, she would just um, ooze Christ, if I can use that, that, that terminology. She mm. was kind. She was thoughtful. She was gentle. She was firm when she needed to be. She knew what she believed. She knew what the Bible said. But she connected with people every day. Mm. And she would just knock on people's doors. She would talk to them on the bus. She would find their names and numbers and go and visit them and take material she thought they needed. And she was a, a, a lovely lady who exemplified what it meant to have God living in and through you and out of you, if you like, as you connect with other people. Mm. I've uh, got one example to share that I had a church pastor once who was quite a driven, you know, very ambitious pastor. And often with ambitious people, David, um, you know, they can be perhaps less... Um, aware of other people, less kind or less, uh, I don't know, some, some, sometimes ambitious people are not as kind and not as uh, gentle as, um, you know, people who are less ambitious. So I, yeah. I was amazed by this pastor who was a, a very ambitious uh, person, and yet he was the most kind, humble, and gentle person. And I think to see those two characteristics together, um, for me, really demonstrated uh, God's love, because uh, yeah, God, God's not against people having um, ha- having no. an ambition and doing and striving to do really well in mm. in uh, in life and in their work. But um, yeah, this uh, particular person, I think, demonstrated the the characteristics of Christ in his mm. humility and gentleness as well. So, lovely. We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in your experience with this. Have you ever witnessed somebody who has clearly been filled with the Holy Spirit and connected to God? And uh, what was it that stood out for you? We'd love to hear from you today. This is "Give Me the Bible" by Matt Minicus and featuring Clint McCoy. Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming To cheer the wonder, lone and tempest-tossed No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming Since Jesus came to seek and save the lost 
Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till night shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible when my heart is broken When sin and grief have filled my soul with fear Give me the precious words by Jesus spoken Hold up faith's lamp to show my Savior dear Give me the Bible, holy message shining Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till night shall vanish in eternal day. That light alone the path of peace can't show Give me the Bible, holy message shining Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way Precept and promise, law and love combining Till night shall vanish in eternal day in eternal day, in eternal day. You're listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM, and today we're speaking with David Maxwell, and uh, we're on the series uh, The Word of God. And we're continuing today with The Living Word, The Word in the Church. Now, we asked you a question before the break. Have you ever witnessed somebody who was clearly filled with the Holy Spirit and connected to God? What was it that stood out to you? We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488 Now, David, uh, before the break, we just started off and you explained that we were going to be talking about or continuing talking about the living Word of God, and that is the person of Jesus. He was the living Word of God. And uh, how it made a difference in the lives of the believers. So let's start off and let's get into it today. Yeah, thanks. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Jason. (laughs) Uh, Today we're going to see the changes that having the living Word or Jesus living with in the believers of the first century church changed really who they were. And first what we'll do, though, before we read the passages we're looking at today is I'll have a prayer, and then we'll get into those verses. So let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can open your word and have it today, the written word, but we thank you more that you came as the living word. Lord, please impress us through your Holy Spirit today as we read, as we share with our listeners. May they be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So could you read our two passages today? We're reading from Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1, 12 to 14, and Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4. Thanks, Jason. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet. And we had a discussion earlier, David, that uh, this is also called the Mount of Olives. Yes. Which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew... Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. And Acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues, as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Thanks, Jason. In the 1980s, there was a specific scientific, well, inverted commas, scientific study that was conducted to see if the commonly accepted theory that uh, you may have heard about this as well, that couples that live together for a long time would over time start to look alike. I don't know about you, but I've, I've met people like that. You look at them and you think, wow, these guys could be related. Mm. <laughs> yes, they're married, but... You know, they look like brother and sister. They're so alike. Mm. So you, they used just a very small selected group and they took some pictures from earlier in the year, uh, earlier in their married life and then, you know, 10, 15 years later. And the, the outcome from that small selected group of people was that they came to the conclusion that it was true, that people did tend to look more alike. Mm. But that was done back in the 80s. In the more recent past, with the advent of electronic facial recognition software and a much larger group, they did this study again with over 500 people. They had 153 people they used as judges, and they also used that advanced facial recognition software. And the reported outcome from that uh, scientific um, study was that people do not actually, and this is generalising, become more alike the more time they spend together. But what they did discover was that people seem to pick more alike people right from the start. Now, we're talking and like physical likeness here, is that right? Physical likeness, right. yes. Mm. Not so much. that. Yes, they did identify that the characteristics, um, the things they like, the things they did, all of those things became more, but the, we're talking about physical likeness. Mm. In the Bible, however, there's verses that indicate that if we focus enough on Jesus, we will become changed more into his image over time. And I'd like to read a verse in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that talks about this. And it says, But we all, with unveiled face, 
beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, Paul's writing this. And yes, Paul did see Jesus, uh, either in vision or, or something similar to that. But he's saying we are all looking at Jesus. Clearly, it's not the physical likeness that this is talking about. It's the spiritual likeness. Mm. Mm. So when Jesus called his disciples to follow, he chose uh, he chose them out of or from within the professions they were actually involved with at the time. Four of them, um, uh, Peter, Andrew, James and John, were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector and Simon was a zealot. We would call them an extremist today, I think. Mm. Uh, They were all called out of those professions. Each one left what they were doing and they joined Jesus in his cause, but they had very different ideas on what that cause was supposed to accomplish. So amongst all of these differences, more than once the issue came up about who was going to lead them, who was the greatest. Uh, And if you've got your Bible there, uh, just turn to Matthew chapter 18, and we can read one of those. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, let me just quickly grab it here, and verse 1, and it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? This was a discussion that they were having as a group frequently Mm. (laughs) and i'll say frequently because um it happened more than once and and i've got some records there of it and so you can look in the different gospels but when you read the surrounding stories you see the timing is different for each one so rather than 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 being as they expected jesus outlined the requirements for greatness in god's kingdom and he goes on and answers and he says then jesus called a little child to them set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, this was a bit of a shock for them because they presumed that Jesus was coming to set up an earthly kingdom, defeat the Romans. Now, what good would an earthly king have with followers that were like kids? Mm. It didn't really make sense, and so this was a bit confusing for them for some time. At another time, James and John came asking Jesus if they could be his right-hand and left-hand man in the New Kingdom. You can read that in Mark chapter 10. And at this time, or at that time, Jesus explains that to be the greatest, you must first learn to serve. Now, this must have been a really humbling lesson for them, because as I said, you had to be bold and forthright if you were going to be a king's right and left-hand man. You had to be aggressive. You yeah. had to, you know, be it's able bit, to fight in battle. A bit like what I was saying before with, you know, people who are very ambitious, they're often a bit more aggressive, assertive, or, mm. uh, yeah. That's it, yeah. And and it seems that this one-upmanship continued right through, right up to the night that Jesus was arrested. So let me read in John chapter 13. Uh, Well, maybe I won't read that. We're always going to run out of time. But in John chapter 13, 1 to 14, we see this story that Jesus shares with them about what he wanted to teach them about greatness. So it was the job of a servant to wash people's feet when they came into the house after a dusty journey and before they ate or, or actually came in and spent some time. However, on Jesus' final Passover evening with them, no one had arranged the foot washing. Now, it's interesting, Jesus says, go and get it ready. He doesn't tell them how to get it ready. 
and they go and they get it ready. And the one thing they forget is to arrange a servant to wash their feet. So Jesus gives them plenty of time to make that decision themselves. Who is it that's going to serve? Nobody does. Mm. And it seems that Jesus is going to take this opportunity to teach them humility. He gets himself ready and he starts to wash their feet, the job of a servant. And they're aghast. Certainly Peter is aghast that their their rabbi has taken off his outer cloaks and he's washing their feet. He's he's lowered himself to the the, the point of a servant. And and they're, they're horrified. Because a rabbi never did this. And so Peter refuses, and Jesus has to explain to him, this is so important, you must let me do it. And finally, he lets him. And and as he goes on then after this, he gives them the instruction to continue doing this for one another after they're gone as a sign of humility. And many people still do it today. So it's interesting that after three and a half years with Jesus, they're still mostly blinded by their biases and they don't understand the nature of his mission. They just, they just don't get it. And I, I know that most people remember Thomas's doubting, but I could list all of the apostles, uh, the disciples that we read before. Let me just quickly recap them. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, uh, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot. I'll leave Judas out because he's already left the group at this time. All of them run away and allow Jesus to be arrested. So rather than sticking around to accompany him through the trial, perhaps they're worried about getting you know, arrested and killed themselves, they all show their true human nature of self-preservation and they abandon him and run. And some years ago I saw a very, very confronting picture. It had a caption, Who Would You Rather Be? And it was a picture of a person bound and blindfolded, nearly in front of a man who had an AK-47 pointing at his head. Mm. And it was very clear that he was about to be executed, and the question was being posed, Would you rather be the one about to be executed or the one doing the executing? It was a very confronting question Mm. and a very confronting picture because it identifies your real character. Would you rather take life or give it. Mm. So likewise, even though Peter and all the others had just a short while earlier, that very same night, given Jesus' assurance they would rather die than betray him, at the crucial moment, their resolve crumbles and they revert to their worldly character rather than their world, the, rather than the character that Jesus wanted them to have. Mm. It's a fascinating example. I've, I've read through that example that uh, you gave there, and it really puts it into perspective that, uh, you know, where our focus is determines our decisions that we might make. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's right. Well, it's time for another break, and uh, just do remember our question this morning. Have you ever witnessed somebody who has been clearly filled with the Holy Spirit and connected with God? What was it that stood out to you about them? Text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, and uh, our next song this morning is "You Are Welcome Here," and this is by Chris Muglia. It's a beautiful song. Come all you wounded and weary, come 
small, you heavy of heart. Come with your fear and your burden. Come with your pain and your scars. Come to the ocean of mercy. Be revived, renewed, and refreshed. Wherever you are, no matter how far. Come find your peace and your rest. You are welcome here, come as you are. You are welcome here with open arms. Bring your burdens, bring your pain, bring your sorrow. Who long for your place? Bring your addictions and battles. Find your forgiveness and strength. You are welcome here, as you are. listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM with David Maxwell and uh, we've been talking about the living word, the word in the church. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Uh, David, uh, before the break we were talking about the disciples and um, really how they had cultivated their worldly natures. You know, that's I guess how we often go in life. We we uh, f- 
mould ourselves from the world around us, and that's what they had been doing. And yet uh, they'd Ooh. been hanging out with Jesus for about three and a half years, and uh, and still they hadn't fully um, understood or got the uh, the godly uh, perspective. And so. I'm guessing that at some point that changed, and I'm Ooh. guessing you're going to tell us about that. <laughs> That's it. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, look, as I said before the break, during this three and a half years with Jesus, the disciples focused on worldly things. And what I mean by that is, although they were watching what Jesus was doing, their, their mind was clearly still uh, focused on the the physical, temporal kingdom that they expected Jesus to bring in. Mm. So... When the time came for an important decision, they simply followed the cultivated nature. You know, they saw this Jesus being arrested. They, they're like, oh, oh, we don't understand what's happening here, and we don't want to be a part of this, and they run. They run. So they don't understand at this point. So fortunately, both for them and for the world, it didn't remain this way. And after Jesus was raised from the dead, uh, you can read in Acts 1, 1 to 3, he spends another 40 days with them, teaching them about all the things they didn't understand. What happens next confirms that Jesus had answered all their questions and revealed to them everything they didn't yet understand about the true nature of God's kingdom. In Luke 24:45, Luke and Acts, remember, are written by, uh, we believe, are written by Dr. Luke. So one finalizes to wrap up the story of Jesus. The other opens with an overlap showing you then what goes on and happens in the early church. In Luke 24, 45, it says that Jesus opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. I remember a man I was speaking to once who, who said he had spent years being an elder in the church and being angry. He actually was angry as he shook people's hands after taking a sermon that they got something out of his sermon, but he felt he never did. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he spent 40 days on his knees and in the word that God answered his prayer and the Bible just came alive to him after that. So I, I sort of I can picture then what their understanding must have been like as they opened the scriptures with Jesus and Jesus helps them to understand it. So Jesus tells them, go and wait in Jerusalem till you receive this promise that God's going to send. And clearly they were changed men and women. But rather than arguing about it, having another agenda or doing what they thought, they simply obey. We read that in Acts 1, 12 to 14. Their characters appear to be completely changed after this special time with Jesus. And the focus is then on waiting for what Jesus promised. Mm. They continued together in prayer, in, it says in an upper room, of one accord. And that means they were united. Now, wouldn't that be great if all of the people in our church were united? Imagine what we could achieve. It would be fantastic, and uh, that is the ideal. And this is what Jesus prays for beforehand in uh, John chapter 17. Uh, I think it's John chapter 17, 16 or 17. Mm. So um, at Pentecost was the Jewish feast day which celebrated, it was celebrated 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits, and it was a time of celebration of the beginning of the wheat harvest, um, while the First Fruits was the beginning of the barley harvest. So the, the uh, Pentecost was the beginning of the wheat harvest, and the first fruits was the beginning of the barley harvest. Jesus was resurrected on the first day of first fruits, and with him a number of others. You can read this in Matthew 27 and 1 Corinthians 15, that 
that uh, they were to be presented to God as the first fruits of those who had fallen asleep, Jesus being the first of them, of course. So on the day of Pentecost, at the beginning of the harvest of the rest of the grain, the wheat, and that's a reference to the wheat harvest that Jesus speaks about in a parable in, in Matthew 13, while they were all united, God sends this helper, the Holy Spirit. And the result of the Holy Spirit filling them is then the, the, the transformation of their characters and the completion of what Jesus had actually begun. So following this infilling, they receive power from God to achieve so much and they preach boldly. And we were talking about this at the beginning, Jason. We were talking about the speaking in tongues or the hearing in tongues and it's not entirely clear whether each one of them spoke in a different language mm. and the people coming that were from all different places, some of them heard maybe Peter speaking in one language and John in another and Matthew in another or whether they were all just speaking their languages and the people who came all heard it in their own language. Mm. Either way... It was a miraculous yeah. occurrence. And it achieved the objective, which was for people to hear the message. Absolutely. And and it was interesting, and it may have been more the different languages by different people. I, I perhaps think that because people who are watching on say, these guys are drunk. Mm. And to them, maybe they don't hear the right thing, but maybe they're just not connected with God. Mm. And so they're, they're not hearing those translations that they need to hear. Mm. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's miraculous and it achieves the outcome. So just as Jesus taught them and gave them the ability to do some of these things throughout the ministry, the Holy Spirit comes speaking and empowering them. And some of the things the Holy Spirit then does in the early church is giving them directions. So as they are uh, experiencing different situations, the Holy Spirit tells them that these people are lying to them. Mm. And Peter is able to call two particular people out. There's a story. It's a, it's a sad story, that one. <laughs> a very sad story. But he, he tells them that they're, these, these people are lying. Mm. And that's interesting. Um, and then he also later on tells Paul, you can't go in a certain place. So there was a group of them wanting to go somewhere, and they said they were prevented by the Holy Spirit. Mm. So clearly the Holy Spirit told them, you can't go there. The Holy Spirit also gave discernment. Uh, taught them more about what they needed about to know about the scriptures and about God. He pointed out sin in people's lives. And he also gave them insights and instructions about the future. Mm. It's interesting that, that uh, Jesus, as a human, could only be in one place at one time, and yet mm. when he left, he left the Holy Spirit, who was uh, similar to Jesus, but he could be with all people at all times. Yes, you're right. Mm. I, I need to read a verse about this because so many people are confused about the Holy Spirit, you know, mm. who he is, what he does, and all the rest. So I just like to read a verse in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. Here it says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Now, John is writing this, and he refers to Jesus as the Word, as we have referred to in our different presentations. So he's saying there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father bears witness. The Word, or now John is taking a broader periscope, if you like, of who Jesus really is. 
and that's what you see coming through the gospel and and these letters. He is saying that Jesus is not just Jesus who we met, Jesus is God. We'll touch more on that later. And the Holy Spirit. And these three are one, and and that's why we believe that we have God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all three are separate individual persons or personalities. And the Spirit is the helper, who is like Jesus, who is given to us after Jesus left. He has his own character and personality, and he's the one that enabled them to do what they did. Mm, Absolutely. Well, we've got a book offer today about the Holy Spirit. It's called The Coming of the Comforter. The Holy Spirit, The Secret of a Successful Christian Life. A classic study. This is from Leroy Froome, or Leroy E. Froome, on the Holy Spirit. Uh, he answers some of the most vital questions concerning the Holy Spirit. This book holds out a wonderful hope that the gift of the Spirit is not reserved for a privilege. It has been put within the reach of all. That's a, certainly a wonderful uh message to hear Mm. now um we've got a question for you this is a really interesting book and it's uh if you're to purchase it it's quite an expensive book so we've got only two copies to give away today and so we're going to have to make you work to get this offer so (laughs) earlier in the program we read from acts chapter one and it was in verse 12 to 13 i think 12 13 14 uh that we that the you'll find the answer to this question the disciples met in the upper room at the time they received the Holy Spirit. But where had they just travelled from? Text us in your answer to this question. Where had they travelled from just before they received the Holy Spirit? And the the first two correct answers in will receive a copy of this book today. This is In the Heart of Jesus by Ladjay Love Smith. Pure and tender 
Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM and today we're finishing up our program with David Maxwell this morning The Living Word, the Word in the Church and we asked you a question to claim the free book offer today and that question was when the disciples were meeting in the upper room they had just travelled from somewhere and uh, where was it that they travelled from? Uh, You'll find the answer to this question in Acts chapter 1 and verse 12. So to claim the free book offer today, the book offer is The Coming of the Comforter, The Holy Spirit, The Secret of a Successful Christian Life. And this is by Leroy Froome. Text us in your answer to this question. Where had they just travelled from? Found The answer is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Now, David, uh, how would you like to wrap up today? Mm, thank you. Look, when I was in the Air Force uh, back in the mm, 80s and 90s, you know, I, someone once said, oh, back in the 90s, I said, oh, that's an offence, that wasn't that long ago, and then I realised, hey, that's a long time ago, that was over 30 years. When I was in the Air Force, I was working with the F-111 fighter bombers, and I really loved sitting out on my balcony in the barracks on the base at, during night flying operations. I watched them take off, and I could sit there and just watch them all night taking off and doing touch and goes and, and and blasting off because it was like something straight out of star wars at night it was quite dark as they prepared to take off they would ignite their afterburners and this this purple red and yellow flame would blast out of their engines enabling them to be pushed down the runway at high speed and take flight in the shortest possible distance now they could fly without the afterburners but they were much more efficient with them on and it just meant they would pour raw fuel into the uh, into the engines and it would give them much more power. <clears throat> this is very much like the early church. The early church could have still functioned if they just took off on their mission because of this newfound experience with their risen saviour. They, they had power to preach, they really did. However, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it was like a church on fire using its afterburners is the way I'd like to explain it. First and foremost, there was a change in the people themselves. They were now fully convinced and convicted of their faith in Jesus and they much more fully understood his mission and the kind of kingdom that he was trying to build. Peter, for one, was a proud and arrogant follower and he became an effective and humble leader. And maybe there's a couple of verses here I'd like you to read, if you wouldn't mind, Jason, if you've got them up. First Peter 5, 5-7. It says... 
It says, uh, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Mm. And that's coming from Peter. Peter was one of the most outspoken of the disciples. Mm. Now he recognises the need for humility, probably because of that doubting that he himself had Mm. running away. Mm. James is another one. Uh, James and John were called the sons of thunder, probably because of their characters, I suspect. Mm. Uh, Jesus called them that. And they became, uh, James became the leader of the new church in Jerusalem, and he also understood humility, almost the exact words that Peter's just used. Would you like to read James 4, 6 to 10, please? It says, "Be, but he gives, he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your daughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Mm, and that was uh, let your laughter turn. Yeah, so he he really understood also this humility uh, he was so previously so outspoken. John actually outlives all of the others. And he writes the Gospel of John, three letters to the churches, and the revelation of Jesus Christ. And throughout them all, he goes to pains to show that Jesus was indeed God in the flesh, the eternal and great I am. I, I know you've read it before. We've read it before. I think um, Carmelina read it last week. But I want to read it. I want to read it again. And this is in First John chapter 1, <clears throat> 1 to 4. And I want to read it with the way I perceive John was writing this. And I'm reading from New King James. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, we've seen with our own eyes, we've looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we've seen and we bear witness and declare unto you the eternal life that was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we've seen and, we, and we've heard, we declare unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things I write to you that your joy may be full. Mm. So I bring, bring you back to the opening illustration of by beholding you become changed. Clearly, by uh, these early disciples keeping their eyes on the resurrected Lord and being filled with the Holy Spirit, they were transformed, not physically but spiritually. Their characters were changed and they acted with conviction and urgency to speak the truths of God that Jesus has imparted to them and the Holy Spirit's empowered in their lives and words. So I want you to remember that God's truths were passed on initially from one custodian to another in the ancient past, verbally it would appear. We had Adam, Lamech, Shem, Isaac, Joseph. Um, these are the these are the, the caretakers of God's words, if you like. Then They're reminded again of them at Sinai through Moses and faithfully written down and then copied very faithfully, as we've seen, over the next 1,400 years. Mm. God's truths are then displayed in and through the life of Jesus and then acted out in and through the life of the Christians in the early church. 
I don't know if you've yet been encouraged to take a hold of this good news of our reconciliation to God through an empowered life as we're connected to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. If so, I want you to learn more about how you can do that. And if you would like to learn more, please get in touch so we can give you some more information. Mm, Absolutely. So we do encourage you to get in touch if you want to know more. Text us in on our Tassie Encounters show, 0488-880891. And no matter where you're listening from, we'll get you in touch with somebody who can uh, come and uh, talk with you or study with you. Um, Yeah, I think it's really important and valuable to really get into the Word of God. So Mm. we encourage you to do that. Next week, David, we're still going on with the Living Word. We are. We're wrapping it up, and we're going to talk about the Word in us. So we've talked about biblical times. I want to talk next week about how we can replicate that experience. Awesome. And uh, congratulations to Margie and Christina for getting the correct answers for the question before to claim the book offer today. So you will receive a copy of those books. And uh, tomorrow we've got What is Love? And this is going to be presented by Carmelina. So she's hopefully back and well tomorrow with our program what is love so do join us 9am tomorrow on connecting the dots we'd love to have you with us now um, we just pray that uh, God is with you today that you've been blessed by the message that uh, David has presented and thank you David we'll we'll join you again or hopefully Carmelina will join you next week next week we'll see you then God bless and uh, this is Keeper of My Heart by Brush Arbor Sometimes fear will grip my heart Just thinking of what lies ahead Depression soon moves in on me Drives me to my bed Who will rescue this heart of mine And keep me from falling Shining through from the keeper of my heart, keeper of my heart, I will rest in you, securely cradled in your arms, I can make it through, storm clouds Wait
from the keeper of my heart, keeper of my heart, I will rest in you, securely cradled in your arms, I can make it through, the storm clouds I will find